3: Kids, put down the USB crack pipe and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the Internet audio talk show for .NET developers, with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number two eighty four with guest Brad Abrams, recorded live Tuesday, October 9th, two thousand seven. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now, bringing world class expert led training in C Sharp, ASP.NET, VB.NET, SharePoint, BizTalk, Team System, and Workflow Foundation on site to your development team. Details online at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first class customer service. Online at wwwt kcom And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com And now, the man who just washed the silver light out of his hair, Carl Franklin!
0: It's Carl, welcome back to .NET Rocks. Thank you, Lawrence. And uh, glad to be with you here today. Richard Campbell's here. I'm here. Hi, Richard.
1: I'm glad to be here, too. And
0: uh, we're having a good time in New York at Interop. That's right. We're at Interop. Yeah. Interop at the Javits Center. Now, what is Interop, anyway?
1: It's like the biggest networking show in the industry for network technologies. And why are we here, anyway? Uh, it's all my fault. Strange Loop, right? Yeah, that's right. Strange Loops coming out, general release, and so we figured we had to go to Interop.
0: And I'm actually here because I'm recording uh, a demo uh, with my new wonderful video cameras.
1: <laughs> you are smitten with
0: your video, aren't you? <laughs> I'm having a ball. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's
1: get into Better Know Framework. All righty. What do you got for me? Well,
0: if you didn't know this, the... SHA-1 algorithm used to make hash codes has been hacked.
1: Yes. Well, it's been proven breachable by current technology, I think. Yes. It still
0: takes a lot of money and a lot of power to crack it, but it is crackable. There are websites where you can paste in a hash code, and it'll sit there and chew on it for days, weeks, I don't know how long, and then you can come back and it'll figure out, you know, it'll tell you what uh, the data was that was hashed. And, uh, yeah, I, ca- I can't remember who proved it. Was it in Japan?
1: Yeah, it was a, a group of researchers in Japan, or it's actually China. China, th- that that's right. That came up with this. It's a paper. And it, it the full, I, I found the specs on this, the full breakdown for an SHA-1 operation took two to the 69th hash operations. Oh, cheapers! Now, that's not a trivial amount, but at the rate processor increasing processing power and the number of processors we have, it means that it's breachable in a reasonable length of time, as in not quadrillions of years. Right. So the SHA-1 algorithm, hang on here, let
0: me get my facts right, uses 160 bits to do the hashing. That's the size for the SH1 algorithm, the hash size. Now, there are other versions of SHA, uh, and the the biggest one is SHA-512, which is the biggest one in the framework, and there happens to be an SHA-512 managed class in system.security.cryptography. Nice. So all you really got to do, if you have any code that was using SHA-1 is whoosh, whoosh, swap out the 160-bit version for the new 512... Well, not the new, but for the 512-bit version. And, uh, you know, there you go. Problem solved for the time being. So that is my little tip for you on Better No Framework this
1: week. Richard, what do you got? I got a bit of a long email. I'll explain as we go into this. I, I believe you will groan, but bear with me. Dear Carl and Richard, your show is awesome. Let me introduce myself. I work for an Arizona county government with a small programming shop, eight total, including manager and webmaster. I manage the team. I have been programming for over 10 years and absolutely love to code. In fact, while on vacation, I read coding books, not novels. Oh, how sick I am, and I love it. Is this where I'm supposed to groan? Not yet. Okay. It's coming, believe me. My dilemma is simple. Do I allow for dual language support in my small team? We are a closed shop, aka we are not consultants going from company to company. We code applications for our county government departments. Yes. Answer is yes. <laughs> Next. I am not interested in I am not interested in the is C sharp better than VB religious war. I am simply trying to logically decide if allowing both in my shop is practical. In a consultant shop, I could see the need for both, but I am not sure about a small closed shop where everyone must be able to support anyone else's work. I am not a VB zealot, nor want to be. I am comfortable in both languages, although my natural tendency is VB because that is what I have coded with the longest. I can read and write both languages, and have found neither language to do something the other can't, other than unmanaged code. The framework makes the two languages 99% the same except for syntax, in my humble opinion. The real factors aren't, in my opinion, whether one language is superior, as this doesn't hold water to me. Instead, it falls on a much more practical aspect. Do I allow our team, which is small and must be able to support anyone else's work, to write in both languages? My concern for dual support is the increased strain on the team to support each other, increased training, increased code complexity, more standards, and possibly for internal strife between the coders who lean to one language. How about the training cost to train your VB guys in C-sharp or your C-sharp guys in VB? Right. And he gets into this. He goes, it's a decrease in flexibility to go to one language. Of course. And, uh, yeah, I would not normally bring this up. Because mm-hmm. we've had this debate for years and it's resolved, which is exactly as you described it. It is very easy to understand both languages. Program in the one you're, you're faster in. That's I, really the matter.
0: My thought you, is that your C sharp programmers will gravitate towards the code that is well written and best written in C sharp and the VB programmers vice versa. And so, you know, you're probably not going to have a lot of cross editing between VB and C sharp developers. However, if a VB developer was charged with fixing a bug and the C sharp developer, all of them were on vacation or something and there was nobody around to debug something critical, you know, they could step through and figure it out. Yep. It's not, uh, it's not all that different.
1: And definitely in this day and age, the expansion of hiring options is a huge advantage because we're all getting tight for people these days. Right. Um, that was, that email was from Kevin Lebranch. And Kevin, I'm, I'm just going into this discussion because at the same time that I got this email, I got another one. Uh-oh. From Jackie Goldstein and Mark Miller, which I think supports the case for supporting both languages really well. Okay. And it's actually a video from a guy named Kim Major. And I have oh, a tiny yeah. URL link here. So tinyurl.com slash three, five, J's and Juliet, R's and Romeo, L in Lima, 6. So, 3-5-J-R-L-6. And that takes you to a page from Jackie Goldstein's website, the il. Right? He's in Israel. Yep. And there's a download there called Coding Model View Presenter with Code Rush and Refractor. Factor. And there's a link there called coding model view presenter with code rush and refactor pro now at this particular moment for some reason the video is not working but the story of the video is that kim does this demonstration where he's coding in both vb and c sharp he grabs code off the internet brings it into his project and so forth and then he refactors it into forms that he's happy with yeah So it goes back to this whole idea that you're just opening up your doors for you by supporting both languages. And here's a great demo of it. And, you know, the end result is that over time,
0: your VB developers get skilled in C-sharp and vice versa. So, you know, it's good. If you basically limit yourself to one language, you're, you, you know, you're, I think you're less,
1: much less flexible. Absolutely. And, you know... I'm at the point these days with the CLR and all the languages we've talked about where I'm thinking that just C-sharp and VB.net isn't enough. Yeah, There's you may more be right. to learn. Go spend right. some time with F-sharp. You will be blown away. Yep. Good stuff. All right, Richard. Well, uh,
0: you know, the Infusion guys down there in New York City are still looking for able-bodied and able-minded .NET developers to join them in New York for a year, working in the exciting financial district. And, of course... With some really, really creative people, a whole bunch of .NET rocks. Listeners have been, uh, have moved to New York for a year. The deal is if you qualify, they'll pay for your apartment in Manhattan rent free is where you're going to live right there in the middle of it all for a year. If you're interested in that, go to, uh, shrinkster.com slash KH6. So, Richard, um, this uh, let's get to the interview. This is an interview that we did uh, at Remix a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, the last of three.
0: Yep, this is Brad Abrams, and uh, he did the keynote at Remix in Boston. Um, just a, a fabulous interview about the new stuff that's coming up and uh, everything that you should be learning about. Well,
1: Brad's so good at talking about where things are going and what they're working on and so forth. It was really fun to, to chat with him. It
0: was a fascinating
1: discussion. Let's hear it now. You bet.
0: Hey, Richard. Uh, I'm back here in the, uh, the suite at the Hyatt Regency in Cambridge at Remix 2007, and Brad Abrams is here.
2: Yeah, thank you. Hi, Brad. Hi, how you doing, Carl?
0: I'm well, thank you. A lot of stuff to talk about since we last.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening in the industry. It's an exciting time.
0: Let's start with your keynote. We talked to Rocky Latka a little while back, and he filled us in a little bit on your yeah. keynote. I he guess li- he
2: liked it, did he?
0: Yeah, and and it it really the thing that struck me as he described it was it really brought home the meaning of the word mix.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, one of the things that we did in the keynote that that I thought was a lot of fun is I wanted to get across to the audience how um how open the the .NET platform is, how open Silverlight is. Um, so. Um, one of the things we've been doing for a while is demos on the Mac and, and making sure that we show that all the Silverlight stuff works great on the Mac. But I thought, you know, um, maybe, maybe it's because I work on the ASP.NET team. I, I wanted to go over the top and show, how, show people that um, Silverlight works great on Linux boxes as well. Um, so, uh, for a server environment, so one of the things I did is i I asked people in the audience so how how many people of you you know have an all windows server environment is completely homogeneous all windows. Like there were like two guys that raised their oh, hands. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Wow, that's cool. Yeah, mixed environments are the real world. That's how it is. That is
2: the real world, yeah. Um those those two guys are super important to me, though, because you know, they pay my kids' uh college account. You know, they <laughs> you still they, like they, them. I, I like them, those are good guys. But it did mean that the rest of the audience uh was sitting there thinking, now that silver light thing's great, but how am I gonna use it? How does that apply to my situation? Right. Right. So what I did is I I built this application in Visual Studio, did some design stuff in in Expression Blend, and then I FTP'd it up to a Ubuntu Linux box that I had running in a VPC there. Um, And then uh, I I went over to that Ubuntu box and in Zen Studio, wrote a little PHP code to be able to host that Silverlight control within a PHP application. Hmm. Um, And then I went over to the Mac... Uh, and hit that uh, Linux box from the Mac. So now you got a, a Mac hitting Linux running PHP and serve the Silverlight content from there. Yeah, um, and that went over pretty well. And then uh, I uh, I went back to the PC and attached the, a debugger to the Linux box to to the. Uh, to the Safari process on the Mac yeah. uh, and debug through the Silverlight code. So that, that whole end-to-end experience worked just fine. We pulled the, P- the PDB down from the Linux box. It was perfect. The
0: debugging thing is really intriguing for me that you can debug Silverlight from uh, that's hosted on a linux box with a mac
2: yes yes there's there's certainly some black magic that's going on there yeah you know so um we the the clr detects um like whenever you launch a process um there's actually uh when you have the debugger installed the bigger stuff installed on the mac um it actually detects uh requests coming in on a certain port and whatnot and activates the debugging infrastructure so it's pretty cool
0: and the debugging stuff is built into Safari, or is it a third-party debugger? What is it?
2: Uh, no, well, the debugger itself is Visual Studio. Oh, it's so every- the CLR debugger. Yeah, everything you know and love about that works Visual Studio?
0: Fun. Visual Studio on the Mac?
2: No, no, no. So, Visual Studio running on Windows. Okay. And then you go up to Tools, Attached to Process. But
0: wait a second. I thought the debugging was happening on the Mac.
2: It's happening on both. The clients on the Mac... Let's okay. see if I get this right now. The clients on the Mac... There's the server on the Mac. Anyway... The the app itself is running on the Mac. I get it. And then the tool is running in uh, so it's remote debugging.
1: Okay. So remote when you debugging. hit a breakpoint, which then it yes. drops into studio on a Windows box, mm-hmm. the
2: Mac app is stopped. That's right. The Mac the Mac app is stopped.
1: So it was the Mac app that hit the breakpoint and then handed back the handle of that breakpoint to Studio.
2: That's right. And Very you got to be
1: kidding me. Yeah. No, There's no way
2: that works. It, I'm telling you, it works. I was going to do a screencast You must it.
1: have just cheered when that worked on stage. That oh, demo man, would scare awesome. me to death.
2: Oh, <laughs> man, it's awesome. The number of moving parts in that thing that had to come together. Um, I think I got it working on Friday. I had a couple of guys in my office on Friday you know, helping me debug the last thing on wow. that, but it was good.
0: Those guys deserve a nice bonus. Well, it, yes, and we are yes.
1: talking alpha code here.
2: Yeah, you mean with uh, Silverlight one one alpha? Yeah. That's right. Yep. But it's—I gotta tell you—it's—it's it's pretty rock. Solid. I mean, once you get all the things set up, like it's rock solid. It works every time.
1: We're starting to get the idea that alpha and beta and stuff—it's—it's it's starting to change meeting not just mm. from a marketing point of view but the fact that it's harder and harder to build really unstable code if you've got a yeah. pretty good idea your first draft of it is going to work pretty good well it's, it seems to me it's the nature of
0: those bugs that's changed it's not now it's not like the pointer memory overriding right, right, things right. you know that bring your machine to its knees like old alpha code used to do yeah now it's you know real logic bugs and
2: and and the other thing, I mean, I, as you said, like the Silverlight one, one thing is, in some senses, it's very new, but in other senses, it's kind of been there for a while. I mean, the the actual CLR we're using in Silverlight, it's the .NET 2.0 CLR. Like right. you guys are familiar with that. That thing is shipped for sure. a long time. It's got millions and millions of production hours behind it. All we did is take that code and and just trim it down a little bit to work in Silverlight. So. Right. We're not, we're not having issues with, like, bugs in the GC or the yeah. JIT not working right. Like, those bugs don't happen anymore.
1: Yeah, you're past this kind of plumbing issues. Now you're talking exactly. about w- taking advantage of what that plumbing gives you. We talked a little
0: bit on your earlier show when, we, when you announced that uh, Silverlight was coming out, we talked a little bit about what it meant on the Mac, and, um, you know, it, it still seems like just absolute uh, voodoo to me. Um,
2: that that, that, this works that it Mac. works
0: on the Mac. I mean, you're you're talking about a different architecture. Well, now you have an Intel, an Intel base, right? Yeah. In the operating system, does that yeah. really help a lot?
2: Oh man, that helps tremendously. I, you know, the, the, there's kind of two big pieces or a couple of big pieces of work to get the CLR working on the Mac. Um, the biggest one is the JIT, the Just-In-Time compiler that right. takes that IL that the C# VB BB.NET compilers generate and turns it into uh native instruction sets for the processor. Um and we have a, a really, really good one for X eighty six and a good one for X sixty four. And we were looking at, at at doing one for um the what's it called? The Mac processor before I anyway. But Oh Motorola's Yeah, Motorola's thing, yeah. Um and that's that's a chunk of work. That's a yeah. chunk of work. So It's when, the power when,
1: PC
0: processor.
2: Yeah, the power PC, thank you.
0: Because isn't it a, a, a risk processor, yeah, too? Yeah, So, so it's you've totally de- instructions it's not, that don't even exist.
2: We, we just we just throw out the code right. and, and start again with yeah, the you, JIT. Yeah, you and, have
1: and a set of interfaces and nothing else.
2: Exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's really, the truth is, there's a small number of people in the world that can really do that and do yeah. it right. Yeah, so no kidding. So we're very excited that uh, Apple's decided to move over to the industry standard, right, the right. a- x86 platform, because literally the JIT just took some tweaks to get yeah, it to work yeah. on the Mac. So, and that, and um, there, you, you know, I
1: wonder how much of the ascendancy of Apple right now, I mean, Apple's never had more buzz than at right. this moment in time, Yeah, has, the, has to do with that processor just opening up so many doors. For the Mac, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a general trend, I think, is happening in our industry right now around openness. I mean, you can choose to be open and, and adopt industry standards, or you can niche yourself. Right. Um, so, and be left behind. And be left behind, Exactly.
1: Sort of the the free trade of uh, software,
0: right,
2: yeah. right, right.
1: <laughs> huh. Yeah, but train. don't tell that to Motorola because they just lost their one of their biggest customers here. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So uh, let's talk about some other things here. Silverlight 1.1, obviously uh, a big announcement of, of yep. alpha software. Brad, now, is it misnamed?
1: Shouldn't this be Silverlight 2.0?
2: You know, that's a, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I hate to I hate to go here, but you know. Like the version numbering thing yeah. on, the, on .NET technologies, honestly, it's not a shining example. Oh no, yeah. you know, like 3.5,
1: 3. I don't even want to talk we've, about we've, it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've we've like <laughs> continue to mess this up. So I got to tell you, I think we're being we're being a little bit conservative here. You know, having lived having personally lived through the .NET Framework three thing. Yeah. Um, and I and I. And possibly you know in retrospect we might could have been more conservative in the version numbering of that i think maybe we're being a little bit conservative in what we're doing here with silverlight one one so it's a topic we come up with i don't know maybe dotnet rocks could do a, a poll or so a listener poll oh sometime definitely on, on oh,
0: i don't even know if we need to do that yeah the answer is yeah, yeah yeah we know the answer you know uh, we just had dino esposito on the show and uh which we caught up to him in bulgaria of all places wow at DevReach, and he 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 told us he he really brought it home when he said, you know, Silverlight 1.1 is is the thing. Silverlight 1.0, he said. What did he call it, Richard? A declarative animated GIF generator.
2: <laughs> all right, all right. I, I, you know, I've been a CLR guy for a long time, but I, I, I gotta come to defense of Silverlight 1.0, even though I'm a CLR guy. So you, you know, I think it's it's all about. Uh, uh, positioning and what you're trying to do if what you want to do is stream video on the web yeah. and you have a bunch of WV content, Silverlight 1.0 is awesome, I it, agree. It, it is amazing if you're building full on applications, it's no better than AJAX right. um, but CLR yeah.
1: has nothing to do with 1.0, right?
2: That's right so yeah. there's so 1 so is shipped RTM today you can you can go use it. I, I get regular download reports we get millions and millions of downloads of the thing.
0: Video is the main thing and,
2: and video is the driver and yeah. um, we have customers today that have just reams and reams of WMV content yeah uh, uh, yeah like uh, at the keynote we talked with the guys from Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do they have all their games um, for the last few years archived in WMV, they also do live streaming in WMV. And oh, yeah. wow. I watched the
1: Yankees go down in Silverlight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So I think that uh, so Silverlight 1.0 is is super important for that video for high end websites delivering video. And then it, the other important thing it does is it starts the adoption clock on Silverlight.
0: You know, the, you, let's just back up there a little bit because Richard talked about this too about you know, well, it's just video, all right, but. There are more consumers of video than there are of software.
2: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Right. So video is very, very important. Yeah. Very important.
2: Yep, yep.
1: Well, and it is a good... If you're going to establish a foothold in this space, that's the foothold you want. Yep. Yeah.
2: So um, we go after the video thing... And then um what, what I think you hear when you come to conferences like this, when you talk to developers, when you talk to the you know the .NET Rocks audience, that these guys are building apps. Um they, they want to write in C sharp and VB.NET code. Um uh, and for them, the one one stuff that adds in the CLR is just amazingly great and it's exactly the right platform for them. So I I, I, I think there's this mix. There's you know, doing video with one O, and then doing rich internet rich internet applications with one one.
0: So, Brad, we all know that the tools are playing catch up to the to the technology here. What, um, if if you don't mind, can you just postulate a little bit about what the experience, what the desired experience of developing? for Silverlight is, I mean, you don't have to tell us like what, you have to tell us like what features we're going to see and blend or whatever, but what, what do you envision as like the developer experience?
2: Well, there's probably kind of two main things that, you know, I've been building some Silverlight apps, getting ready for this, for this conference and stuff. Um, And a couple of things have really kind of stood out to me that Uh, We can really do some differentiated stuff in the tools. And not being on the tools team, you you can't take any of it as gospel, right? But um, one is around um, one thing that's super common with Silverlight apps is actually to develop a Silverlight client application and in the same solution, build the web into that. Like it turns out, every Silverlight app has a web server that backs it up. You get data from there, it serves the Silverlight content from there, the WMVs are up there. Um, and I think increasingly, there's a set of web services that are defined up there. Um, so you, it, the high bandwidth communication between those. But as a developer right now, you, you, I wonder if there's things in the tool we could do to blur the line between those two. yeah, to to make it such that it's not really this stark difference between what's client and what's server. If you're a developer and you're building both the client and server into that, and you hit deploy and they both get copied up to the server, you'd like to have more integrated experience. So I'm thinking about things like, if I define a web service on the server end, can that just automatically be imported in the client end? Yeah, Um, right. could, could, Could I write, and we have .NET code now running on both tiers. Right. Could I define some .NET code, maybe some subset of .NET? That I write some business logic and it execute. I write it once and it compiles for Silverlight and for uh, and for right. I, I
0: have this class library. Yeah. I want it to just. I don't want to have to cut and paste. Yep. To make a copy of it on the client on the server. I just want right. it in one place.
2: One play. imagine things like um, data validation sort of rules, right? Where I want to do data validation so I can get like a red squiggly on the client side to make yeah, sure right. things are right. But then I also want to do data validation before that stuff gets in my database. I'm gonna check it again. Perfect. How many sample. times? How many times do I have to write that code? Well right. is, so
1: now we're no longer talking about moving code around but moving assemblies around? Sure. Is sure. that the real I, language I, we're I, talking I, about you here? Know,
2: Hmm. Hey, we're dreaming, right? You said right. what? You said what? Are, what yeah, are, we're dreaming. What are, and, and I think, I guess, my, the the point I'm making is that we now have the technology underpinnings to do that. Wow. Yeah. Having CLR on the client with Silverlight, having it in the server with ASP.net gives us. Back in the early day, I, I was fortunate enough to be in the early days of the CLR. What are the promises of managed code that I think we're just now being able to? Uh, to take on like this is like eight years ago we started talking about this concept of mobile code and we didn't mean like devices and stuff I mean code itself like can portable move between portable code yeah. that can move between tiers of a of an application that can go anywhere um, that the app needs to go from the I mean, imagine like stored procedure it, some of the code is in a stored procedure that exact same code on the middle tier that exact same yeah. code runs on the client are
1: we starting to walk towards Volt here
0: is that what we're talking about Volta. We just talked Volta, to uh, yeah. we just talked to uh, Alex America? Daly,
2: Alex oh, Daly Alex about Stacey. this. Yeah, yeah, he loves Volta, huh? Oh yeah. Well, Volta takes a different that t- takes a little bit of a different approach where uh, you're you take your NET code and you translate it into JavaScript, right? You and, just
0: say, I want to run this there, and it does it.
2: Yeah, and I think that you know that that's certainly an interesting thing. My hope, though, is that if you have uh, Silverlight there. They just run the managed code. then yeah, that's and, my you know, thinking. The to...
1: whole point of the CLR was language agnosticism, that I can right. write in my language of choice, my language of comfort. Right. And now you're telling me you're going to take the CLR to all these different places so I can stay in my language of choice and I can run it
2: anywhere. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's 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 one of the dream angles I have. Um, the, the other angle that I, that I think is interesting for us to think about is On the designer front, as we think about what you can do in Visual Studio, what can you do in Blend, um, I think the more shared components we can get, such Mm. that, sure, there's a different theme and a different look. You know, the designer tools, you know, have this kind of black view and whatever. But in terms of the functionality that's offered, if we can have more of that shared between Visual Studio and Blend, I think that'll... Um, That'd be really exciting. What's
0: the what's the big deal about having different property names between you know blend objects and stuff? I mean, is it just because that they're designers that aren't used to properties?
2: Yeah, you know, you know? I, I think I, you know, I think maybe you should start a designer centric show. Let's get some designers yeah, on right, and really understand like what's going on in the designer head. We're
0: trying, we're trying.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's. um it, we were talking about this earlier. I think it's a market that. that Microsoft and .NET is expanding into right now. And designers Um, don't think
1: in properties; they think in no, they don't. They think in hues.
2: So I think you know we're going to have to figure out what is the what's the bent, what's the view on .NET that. that kind of connects with designers. And I and honestly, I mean I think Blend's a great product and it's in expression generally is making some really good inroads there. But I think we're it we're very much in the learning mode right now about but, it. But I mean
0: it's a fundamental thing. I mean, if you give a designer an object that you're gonna use in Visual Studio, it's gotta have properties. So you either don't access those properties or
2: or, or you have a different view on it, right? But still it doesn't still have properties. to look like a grid with the, you know, a data grid with elements on it, right? It can, it can manifest itself in a different way.
0: Yeah, but there's still things
1: that you set. There's still settings. There's still, but you know, getting and getting back to this point is designers are going to need to learn something about the development environment. They're going to have designers to, yeah. learned yep. about web development. You know, they can learn about Silverlight development.
2: Yeah, that it's true. It's true. I think I, I just think we need to make sure we. We put it in a package and, and make it um, better for the way designers approach the world. And that's what we're still learning about. Designers are
0: very comfortable with the idea of XAML, though, right?
2: Oh, you know what they love? Designers love the notion of being able to work on exactly the solution that gets built. Uh, what, what typically happens today is designers will work in their tool of choice, and they'll end up with what amounts to a pretty picture, and they yeah. hand this pretty picture to a developer, yeah. and the developer just, like, totally doesn't appreciate the subtleties of the design, sure. just slaps some stuff together, and, you here you go. <laughs> yeah. And the designer's, like, crying, right, you know, like, right, and the right. developer's like, what? What? You, you know, what? They, they just don't understand, <laughs> right? So,
3: What? Um, what? what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> des- oh dude. The, the designers like are fr- like oh finally I own the design of the product. Right. I coded in XAML. Right. That exact XAML run.
0: So so if a designer understands XAML maybe we're just calling properties attributes.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. You know. That sounds good. I do think that designers are going to really get I mean, just like I mean, designers have learned CSS. Lots of the web right. designers I know are like CSS gods. Right. They can do anything in CSS.
1: So I don't think it's that much of a divide.
2: Yeah. I really yeah. don't. We'll get there. So
1: looking at it from the other point of view, what is it our developers are needing to learn? Is For a while there, the language out of Microsoft seemed to say, developers stay away from blend. It's not for you. And and right, it's it because like, of the whole MSDN, and that thing, seems to yeah. have been diminished yeah. now. That that designer that developers are going to spend some time in Blend.
2: Well, I, you know, I, I think that gets back to some um, like technology choices that we've made as we built um, Visual Studio and Blend. But today, if you want to do timelines, and you do probably if you're writing a Silverlight app, then you need to use Blend or, or hand code that. I think as As we create, again, my dream world is we create a bunch of shared components for things like that. To do rich XAML editing, timelines, whatever the other kind of great features. And then we can share those between Visual Studio and Blend. Then I think it will free developers up to be able to use Visual Studio, have things displayed in a very developer-oriented way.
0: Hey, this is Carl. I just want to take a minute out of the show to tell you about Telerik's Q2 2000 tools update, which can be summed up this way, blazing fast performance for ASP.NET, WPF-like visual effects for Windows Forms, and codeless reporting. The Ajax-based content editor is now 76% faster and much more intuitive. The Grid also received a performance boost, plus PDF export, frozen columns, and they've even added a new awesome scheduling component. What I find even more intriguing is Telerik's Windows Form Suite. It's unbelievable that it offers WPF-like visual effects like scaling, rotation, object motion, transparencies, and so on without WPF. As a result, you could have grids, tree views, ribbons, and more with a previously impossible level of interactivity and appeal. Telerik has recently added cab support, which makes the component set a perfect fit for large enterprise applications. Lastly, with Telerik reporting, you can create advanced business reports in Windows, Web, or PDF format using pretty much design time only. Wizards, expression builders, and converters help you with the design, styling, and integration. You'll also be amazed to see some unique features, like CSS-like styling and conditional formatting. See what all the fuss is about. Download a trial at Telerik.com, and don't forget to thank them for sponsoring .NET Rocks. You know, one thing we haven't talked about with you is the encoder.
2: Yes, I I love the encoder. You know, that thing doesn't get enough. Enough attention. No, and
0: I don't even think we've talked about it, Richard. On no, no right. I guess we... this is basically the equivalent of the Windows Media Encoder, but for Silverlight video. Yep, and it has a command line interface, and you can yep. you can totally do this. Yeah, you know, uh,
2: one of the demos I was working on uh, last night. Was uh, I have a demo where you do user generated content, and um, what what's great with user generated content is you know different different cameras output different formats, MP4s, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's great is you can let users upload in whatever format they have, and then on the server you can run encoder in a command line in an NT service that just picks up the next one that gets uploaded and and transcodes that into a WMV format. Right. Um, so the encoder, it's very, it's very versatile product.
0: Now, WMV is the is the streaming video format of Silverlight, yeah, is that right? So
2: it's uh, based on the ISO standard VC1, which is also what you're, if you crack open your Blu-ray or your HD DVD disc and look on there, it, it, it's... Uh, vc1 and that's what's in the wm so as
0: long as we're talking video flash video has got a lot of legs obviously with google video with youtube especially yep. and um one of the biggest reasons is because it starts almost instantly and it streams faster than it plays for most people so there's no eh, uh, eh, yeah yeah because uh, yep, yep. nothing kills the experience more yep. than that yep. so so, what is the comparable performance like of of let's say you know the exact same size, like a three hundred and twenty by two hundred video in Silverlight, well, even one O? Yeah, versus I, I, I mean, flash. A
2: lot of that is based on the quality of the um, video decoder that you have. And but I
0: mean, have there been tests where all things being equal, same yeah. content, well, I, same I quality? I
2: haven't actually. I haven't done that test. Um, I think that'd be a good one. A good one to go do. I would be really surprised if it showed any difference whatsoever. I, yeah. I think that. Um, the video Kodak that we have in Silverlight 1.0 uh, is, is a very high quality one.
0: And the performance went up in 1.1, didn't it? Um, as well? Yeah. I read that somewhere. Okay,
2: I guess it did if you read it. I'm yeah, sure, it's true. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote it down and then I, I read it. I read it on the internet, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh So the uh, all, the other thing is the, I mean, Fundamentally, the, the biggest performance bottleneck here is number of bytes you have to send over the wire. Right. And uh, the WMV, this VC1 Kodak, actually is more... Is, you get the same um, quality video in less bits than the flash video format. Oh, So okay. that means you should be able to get even more.
0: So that'll be even faster. Yeah. yeah. So but, I don't but, think that's an issue then.
2: Yeah, it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, but while we're, while we're on this angle of, of, of video from the web... Um, I just did a breakout session, and one of the things I showed like, my new favorite feature of IIS 7 um, is this feature called bitrate throttling. Right. Have you, I heard, have you about heard of this, this
0: one? Yeah, Scott. In fact, Scott Hanselman told me about this, and okay. I think he was like, "Dude, shh, don't talk about this yet." Yeah,
2: I think we can talk about it. Right? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, this it's, is it's, awesome. I downloaded it uh, the other night from uh, is.net so it's up there, so we can talk this, about. This it. This is awesome. So, so here here's the problem you find, and you probably have this on your on your show. If you become super popular and you have a video, um, so the, the like, think about YouTube. Uh, the average length of a YouTube video is five minutes. The average amount of time a user watches a YouTube video like a minute
0: 30 seconds or thirty seconds, minute. right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> and in that thirty seconds or a minute, uh, you've actually downloaded the entire video because it's caching that stuff in the background. Right. Um, and what that means is that YouTube has lost all that money, like eighty percent of the money it costs to serve a video. Uh, you, YouTube has lost that money because they served it to you and you've thrown it away. Right. Uh, so scale that up to hundreds of thousands of users. It's it's uh it's probably one of the biggest costs that YouTube has to face, uh, or other any other video site. So the feature that we have is w- called bitrate throttling. So in IS7, you can it's, you install a new module, you do a little check mark uh, on that module. It says to turn on bitrate throttling, and then um, we do when the video starts playing, we do this initial burst. We just give it as much as we can. Um, send it out to you to get you playing quickly. Right, And then we just say, keep, you know, two, three seconds ahead of wherever the player is. Right. So you only lose a little bit. And that two or three seconds ahead, just in case there's a network glitch right. or something, the right. video can be seamless. So. You got to
1: think that way back in the beginning of YouTube, they said the feature we need is such fast downloading that the whole, we'll never have a hesitation. It'll be there first. And now they're being punished for that.
2: Yeah. yeah, well, see, that's what you want. You want to balance that never have a glitch, which is a good goal with yeah. exorbitant network. Yeah, don't haul uh, more
1: bytes than you need to.
2: Exactly. So this is the stage just ahead of where the user Brad, is. Brad, I think
0: that's a brilliant a brilliant feature. Brilliant feature.
2: It, great, and it, plus it demos really well. So I, that's sure. always like features that Always a good feature. Well.
0: Good for scalability. Well, you know, it, it just at a certain point, you get so many hits... That a single box is just going to choke no matter what. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. All right, let's let's talk about. um, I'm really curious to see what Adobe's doing in this area. I mean, uh, we were talking a little bit about this before we started the show, and uh, you know, it came. I think Rocky brought it up that you know uh, Microsoft's trying to get into the designer business, and Adobe, which has got the designer world, is trying to get into the developer business. Like, I don't know anything about what Adobe's doing. Developer-wise, I mean a little bit, but you know, not from a from a real knowledge basis. So, can you tell me a little bit about what you know about it? And
2: yeah, so I'm going to go tell the .NET developers about <laughs> Adobe. Uh...
0: Well, no, I mean, what uh, and you, I mean, I'm curious as to what you personally think about it about <laughs> Adobe getting to the developer business.
2: I mean, overall, I think it's good for the ecosystem to have mm. uh, to have. Um, more choices out there for building these kind of apps. I think uh, Adobe recognizes a trend that that's a valid one in the market, and that is uh, people are trying to build more differentiated kinds of applications that both developers and designers um, are building these. I think that, um, you know, we are coming at, as you mentioned earlier, we're coming at from a bit of a different place. Um, I think Microsoft is very strong in the developer space, Visual Studio and .NET being very popular, um, developer technologies and Adobe you know they have pretty good inroads with the designer community it just
0: seems like you know why why couldn't uh, Adobe stick to designing and uh, you know Microsoft stick to infrastructure and programming development and then the two just sort of be able to work together somehow yeah, so I mean, we, it, should
2: sing, we should, it, we it should like all just get along
0: kumbaya thing, yeah. you know hold hands and just, can't we all just get along yeah
2: you know it, it I think that I mean I think that would be great. And in fact I've seen um a couple of, of plugins for some of the popular Adobe products that output XAML. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and I, I think, you know, not not uh, sitting on Adobe's board or anything, but I think it, it would be an interesting move for Adobe to say, okay, well, what would it mean to embrace XAML? Like what what could we do? Could we could we build better designer tools for XAML than Microsoft is? Right. And you know, as a platform guy, I think that would be that would be great. I mean, I would love right. to to work with Adobe. So if any of the Adobe guys are, are listening, I'd love to work with Adobe on on building tools for for .net and for XAML. I think there's a big big market for it.
0: And they know a little bit about .net. I mean, they they have some people from Microsoft from they've bought some companies that started yep. out at Microsoft. They, you know, so it's not like they don't know.
2: Yep, and and you know the .NET platform is a very open platform uh, right. with the with the specifications we've done and the and the source code we've published and the standards and stuff. So it's it uh, the stuff's very available. I don't now
0: I don't know anything about how this works, but if if I had to guess, I would think that it would be easier for Microsoft to get into the designer tool business than it would be for. Adobe to get into the developer business I mean, you think yeah. about all the work that went into the .NET framework. How you're so tightly integrated yep. with the operating system, and uh, you know that's not just something that you can just churn out a community, churn out yep, yep, d- that yep. kind of stuff. Nobody's going to build another .NET framework. In yeah, other words. I,
2: I, I hope I hope you're right there. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, there is an enormous engineering effort in building the the core runtime and making right. sure it works great everywhere and that and we are investing heavily in and that. And if I was
0: in, if I was at Adobe and I was listening to this and you know, I'd be protectionist about our runtime or whatever. Come on, this is the .NET runtime, you know, you're right. not going to get I would I would jump at the opportunity to develop for it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think the I mean, they the the designer space as you say like um it might not be as hard as building your own runtime, but it's it's a tough. I'm challenge. sure it's challenging. It's tough, yeah. I mean, these designers they live and breathe in these tools. I mean, they spend right. like uh, hours and hours a day focused in those tools, so they're experts at their at their craft. It's uh, it's almost like trying to build a better pencil or a better paintbrush. <laughs> you know, like it's right. a, it's certainly a challenge. Right. Um, but I think just like. Um, Microsoft first, we, you know, we had a, a good traction with consumers. And then finally, we got our OS into the enterprise. Uh, and then we had well, fine, Microsoft's fine for client, but we're not going to use it for server. And then eventually, yeah. we got to the point where we're very credible with servers. Yeah. So right now, you're seeing the next one of those where Microsoft's great for developers, but I wouldn't use it for designers. I think, you know, we just need to keep pushing just on keep it. Keep going. pushing on it. Yeah.
1: I noticed you had Miguel Diacaza on the stage with you.
2: Yeah, that was that was that might have been the highlight of the keynote for me. Oh, I yeah. love Miguel.
1: He must be incredible to try and speak alongside of. He's all over And oh, This yeah. is his town too.
2: This is his his home Yeah, town. yeah he was. The story here is uh, he was up at Microsoft a couple months ago for a Silverlight one one uh, SDR, um, and so you know he, he, we were on a cruise afterwards and stuff. Uh, and I I asked, hey Miguel, I'm, I'm going to be in Boston, and it's your hometown. How, how about you come up on stage and do that? He was. And he was excited to, to do it, so um, cool. I think it's great. I, I've known Miguel for a long time, for one of the first uh, .NET PDCs yeah. uh, he and I hooked up on uh, and, and chatted. So I think it's, it's great. And I think we had some, some good gentle ribbing of, of <laughs> each other on stage, which really got the audience going. So
0: I so cool. uh, I get a Miguel de Acasa story. Richard, you remember, it, I think it was TechEd San Diego, or it might have been the PDC in San Diego, or even Los yeah, Angeles. I think it was TechEd oh, San Diego. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. We, we uh, lined up, the regional directors lined up on the staircase to take a regional director annual f- picture... Right, a photo, <laughs> and Miguel was walking down the stairs, and he jumped in the
2: picture. Nice. <laughs> Miguel is a regional director for Microsoft. Yes, yes!
0: And, and 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 they didn't take a picture. Mm. They asked him to get out, and I was like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> just take one, yes. and then you know, send it to us." And that's
1: and not a official picture. Right, right. Take right. another one, right, but right. it was. Yeah, it, I, I think it's a very challenging relationship, and one I see. I think Miguel relishes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he does. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
1: But Moonlight blows my mind. I cannot believe what they've done in this little of time.
2: He has got some really productive set of developers. Um, yeah. Some of it is, I mean, we talked a little bit about it on stage. Um, because we've used the exact same CLR, he's, he's already spent several years working on a CLR. He's a, he has a very good CLR implementation. Yeah. It was just a matter of doing the browser hosting, doing some of the graphic stuff. Um, and he's been able to to knit together a really a really interesting solution.
0: Now, um, what doesn't Moonlight? Do? I mean, you're not a spokesman for Moonlight, right, but right. Um, you know, this is Mix after all. So what? Uh, right, right, right. What doesn't Moonlight do that you know of? I mean, we know what it does, you know, but what doesn't? What are the, some of the things that it doesn't
2: do? Yeah, there is some. Uh, Miguel and I were talking about it. There's there's some of the more advanced uh, XAML sort of concepts they don't have yet. But like he got, uh, I don't know if you've seen the Top Banana app. Um, yeah. It's a very complex Silverlight 1.1 application that does video editing on the client. Um, and oh, he got yeah. that working just fine. Um, he actually uh, uh, uncovered a couple of bugs in, in Silverlight 1.1 with the way some of the scale transforms work. Which is inevitable um, for
1: anybody going back through code like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah. he's certainly d- drilling into it deep enough to do that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's fab. Fabulous I can't think stuff. of any
2: major, major areas that he hasn't at least gotten started on yet.
0: All right, so tell us some Silverlight success stories.
2: Oh, Customers so out there
0: doing really great well, stuff. Well, you
2: know, you know, my favorite one. They they wouldn't let me show it during the keynote, but my favorite one, and I know the favorite of all your listeners, is the worldwide wrestling is now a Silverlight light one oh
0: god bless them oh my goodness yes.
2: these are getting i i now i can watch wrestling without any guilt whatsoever
1: <laughs> no <laughs> dude i'm at work i'm really i'm at work i'm
2: working or, or any working. synaptic
0: activity <laughs> yeah, whatsoever yeah, oh wait right, a minute that was that, always that, the case yes all
2: right yeah it's it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool solution um the other one that i think is fun is uh home shopping network Really? Uh, yes, yeah, the Home Shopping Network. So wait
0: a minute, are they broadcasting yeah. live so they, on their website? They do
2: they do a couple of cool things. So you go to the Home Shopping Network site, um, and they have a live stream, whatever they're selling today, live right there. Um, and they do that with uh, Windows Media Server. Um to do a, a live broadcast. A live stream. A live stream uh, to Silverlight. And then they have a button. They have a button on there that you click, and it's a and it's, uh, buy now. Okay. So you can, it goes out to their website, and it's already filled in with whatever is being sold on that live stream. Oh, that's cool. So they, ca- they have some metadata they use to yep, keep up with yep. that. Uh, the other thing that's cool is they have a, a box on the site that says, here's related products. Right? And so you could say, well, you know, a few hours ago they showed the walk or the you know, the <laughs> flowy vat you know, to cut your hair with the thing. <laughs> I wanna see that, you know? <laughs> and so they have like hours and hours of recorded video and if they still have the item in stock, then you can still get access to that video wow. and watch that. And if you decide to buy that, you click there and, Oh boy, uh, so I shopping
1: network reruns.
2: Yeah, exactly. But but it's the point about it is it's the best of video as well as the web. On the web, user controls what they want. You watch. know what
1: this is? This is interactive television.
0: That's After right. After all exactly these years.
2: The it's home shopping network that brings it to us.
0: Now, did, didn't Flash have the ability to stream live? Or did it?
2: No, you can't do live really? streaming with Flash. Yeah.
0: So there's your, I mean, there's your end right there. I mean, yeah, well that's, that's one. That's, one that's just one why, of them.
2: Uh, so the, uh, another one, we had the Major League Baseball guys up on stage, and they are they are super excited about live streaming. I mean, you you, you don't want to watch the video, the uh, yeah yeah the playoff games after they've happened.
0: Did you know there's a Java applet that um down that shows the positions of the ball players yes. in real time? Yeah, well, it's not just position; brother. shows yeah, where yeah. the
1: pitches went.
0: It shows with the pitches. It actually recreates the action on the field,
2: but in in, in little stick with figures with little animations. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so Silverlight. So this is the Java Silverlight difference. Then, so with Silverlight, yeah. <laughs> the, the app that they sh- that Major League Baseball showed during the keynote is very cool, and it goes. They launched it in beta at the show, so it's now in beta. So if you have a Major League Baseball subscription, uh, you can go get that. But what it does, they have the uh, video there, and then they have a real-time feed that also shows things like who's on first, what are the you know what's on we, second? I don't know, is yeah, on third? Exactly,
0: yeah, okay, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: it, it, With all the the data and analytics and stuff uh, that they keep up with as the pitch is happening. Yeah,
1: nothing is more informational intensive as sports video. Well, yeah, combined with that HD format. I mean, these are the guys who drove exactly. HD to the world. But what's cool about this is that you have HD, but all of these, you know,
0: ESPN and all these sports networks, they litter the screen with stats so much that the video gets squeezed out. Right,
2: right. So, and that's you know, the beauty of the Major League Baseball solution. Course. You can expand the video window and hide the stats. The stats can take over the window. You have a lot of control yeah. because there's a separation. They didn't encode the stuff into the video stream. How about dual it's monitor, separate. right? Oh, How yeah. about full
0: screen on one and the stats and the on stats another one? On Come on. yeah, yeah. yeah. And there it's you all, go. And it's all
2: possible because they've... They've uh, put keyframes or chapter points into the video with where new data comes in, yeah, uh, and then they can just go reference that new data back out of the database. So even as you watch it later, the stats come in at the right time. Interactive television,
0: man. I'm of course, you. the one that we heard about uh, at the at Mix was uh, Netflix.
2: Oh yeah, Netflix is a great one. So now
0: they're streaming 720p high def video from yep. Netflix.com.
2: Yep, yep. Um, I love it because they have a, a lot of their movies um, available. That you can just watch now. You don't have to wait for the mail. And
0: if you have a Netflix subscription, mm-hmm. you can just go do that.
2: It's all you can eat.
0: Yeah, it's all you can eat. Yeah, yeah. Movies on demand yeah, I, all I, the uh,
2: time. Just this last weekend, I showed my my four-year-old son, his first monster truck experience was on Netflix. <laughs> all right, wait a second.
0: All right, wait a second. Home Shopping Network, Monster Trucks. And, and Wrestling. Yes. Wrestling. Wrestling,
2: yeah. Yes, this is gonna, what Silverlight brings to the table, <laughs> This I'm is telling you. This
0: isn't a very good image to portray, you <laughs> yes, know, the yes. cheese whiz of well, media I will, here. Well, I, I think
2: we should talk about NPRs. Yeah, uh, yeah, PBS. Clearly, <laughs> no, no,
0: yeah, PBS and NPR, yeah, yeah, a little more high class, so... So we got Netflix, we got all Home Shopping Network, we got uh, the, um, the video on demand from the sports guys and from... Wh- what, other, uh, what other things can we cite? You know, what well, other projects you know, do you know of that are going um, on?
2: Uh, one that's driving a bunch of Silverlight downloads right now is uh, Tofridi.
0: Tofridi?
2: Tofridi. Do you know this one?
0: I don't know Tofridi. Oh, wait a minute. This was on the .NET Rock's... Uh, I'm sorry. This was on the regional director list, I think, Richard. Wasn't a search it
2: To Tafreedi is like Swahili. I think it's Swahili for research. So it is. It's a new front end, experimental front end for Windows Live Search. All written in Silverlight One. Cool. Yep. And what it—it's a very cool app that you can do searches in spatial yeah you can get you can get relationships you can get uh like i you know you, i did the vanity search in my name yeah and you can get it in newspaper format so it's like a new york times based format but all the articles are about you, you <laughs> oh, so man. It's, 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 that's a good newspaper I'm telling you. Um, so yeah and, and then you can set you the research angle is you can just drag these off onto a clipboard right. uh, and you can save those and organize them and then uh, because you used your live ID to log in, you can close that browser down, you can open it up at the library or open it up when you get home, and it, yeah. it'll be populated with all that data.
0: Oh, that's cool. So that's a pretty cool app. So have you gotten any good feedback on that?
2: I on, mean, On I, the app?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, some feedback that I saw on the RD thing was, you know, practically speaking, I love just going to a search engine in the, with the text and getting what I yeah. want quickly. Yeah. But it, it, does, it seems like... Um, that misses the point a bit. I mean, the whole point here is to to try to expand the
1: possibilities of what you can do, not necessarily just with search. But but the concept of search visualization is a deeper concept. It is. If yeah. all you're looking for is give me the first link that's relevant, right? You don't care that's about it. That's different this. than research.
2: That's different. Than, that's what I was going to say. I think yeah. it's a different market. I mean, it's not saying just for your line searching. It's I, I'm going to research a topic now. I want to learn about what you know, sleep deprivation, or what you know, whatever the thing that you want to know more about.
0: Out. A perfectly appropriate topic for me to be discussing right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, let yeah, me tell it, you. I but you yeah, know the, the real you.
1: thing. If I'm doing research, is I need a variety of viewpoints on this topic. Right, I, I right. can't one link will not do. I not only need right. multiple links, I need them to disagree.
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. And you know I've seen my wife do this before, and she opens up a email message or a Notepad, and she just cuts and pastes a bunch of URLs into there, right? And then there's no way to annotate that. There's no way to um, organize them right. and uh, it, you know, it's hard to preview the data on those when they're in an email message. So,
0: so uh, I know it's really early in the, the the product cycle, but is there anything that you can divulge about the next version of Silverlight?
2: The next version of Silverlight. Will that be 1.2? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, 1.11, I think.
0: <laughs> Even if it's just like your philosophy of where you want it to go, yeah, or, or maybe even a personal desire to see it go. In yeah, a different I'll tell direction.
2: you. I will. Uh, you can tempt me out with a personal desire one. I'll, you know, I'll tell you what, where I think we should go. I, I, I I'll sort of build up to. it. I think you know, Silverlight One O we've talked about. It's about video. Silverlight One yeah. One. I think it's about kind of high end, rich internet applications. Yes. So more, if you think about it, like a web ISV kind of scenario. I think the next version of Silverlight needs to be more about addressing the breadth developers, addressing line of business, corporate developers, maybe even in the um, small and medium business space, to kind of what I, what I would consider breadth developers, where the big distinction between the, the kind of high-end RIA and breadth developers, high-end RIA is, you know, if we're missed in a control or if we don't have some functionality, they can just go build right. that. Yeah. Um, the high-end design agencies are like that. Um, certainly that's true the big guys the the guys at Tafridi they have enough developers that if we're missing something they can just go build it. well in that that
1: concept of we're building a marquee app it should have something distinct right I want to build that
2: exactly distinction is really important whereas you know I think it's true probably with most of your listeners they work at some corporation they work at some business yeah dude if I can't drag and drop
1: it it doesn't exist
2: exactly mm. exactly and their job is basically building these business centric applications 90% of them 99% of them maybe about displaying data right. and entering data so
0: you're probably going to do the classic 3.0 thing which is to make the tools easier to make code generation to to do the heavy lifting yep. you know take all those things that were more difficult that you had to do manually in 1.1 and now just you know yep. automate them so yeah i
2: think they i mean you know, I have a, I'm have i a bit of a platform guy, so I, I, I have this adverse reaction to wizards that spit a bunch of code and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I, I like what you're saying, but the way I think about it is how can we up-level the platform? So even if you're coding directly against the platform in Notepad, it's a, it's to a higher level. Well, I think tracking. about Visual
0: Studio 2005, right? Partial classes, exactly, uh, exactly. data binding, these kinds of things that came in that, you know— all of a sudden, there's a lot less code there when I open my right. component. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right.
1: And the framework, too. Just getting everything right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Very much the same sort of field. You will number it 2.0, right?
2: Wh- which one? The,
1: n- the
0: next, next version. one. Oh, the next one. Oh, I see. Yes, you're already, you're already into that. We'll, Please.
2: We'll, we'll see. I, I, we'll, let's see how the petition comes right, out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send your emails to Brad. <laughs> Brad no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, change your gears a little bit, uh, Brad. I've just barely got my hands around Blend, and I hear there's a preview of Blend Two out already.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, it's an amazing marketing thing we're doing, where we are selling Blend One while there's a free preview of Blend Two. Wait a minute, out there, is it called
0: so. food processor? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: People keep calling it blender, blender. Yeah, people yeah. do keep calling it blender.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard that before. That's a good I want to m- mix back.
0: up my margarita in the blender. There you go. Yes.
2: That'd be, I I got a good idea for another a, a good Silverlight app that with a some kind of there blender you go. animation. There you go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the big the big new feature of Blend. The good news is there's there's not new stuff to learn. The feature of Blend 2 is it targets Silverlight.
1: Ah, okay. So
2: with uh, with Blend 1, um you can technically target Silverlight if you know what xaml to avoid and what constructs and whatnot Um, but with blend 2 it's just built in there's project uh, there's a template for it there's designer right you you put the boundaries
1: down so people can stay inside the lines easier using every designer metaphor i have in my brain (laughs)
2: yes yes yeah so that's the that's the big new feature there They're, they're actively working on that there's and there's a lot of stuff under the covers that we need to do to make that happen but in terms of you know end user stuff that pops out of it it's not a lot
1: it's just not readily apparent, but I, I imagine this thing is evolving very quickly as you're getting that feedback from the designers and starting to get a stronger handle on uh, on what they're wanting.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a turn of the crank on stuff like that too. Well we
1: had this discussion with Rocky Laka and Anthony Handley. Uh, Anthony is the designer with working with Rocky on this that developers are finding they have to spend some time in blend and, and designers are finding they have to spend some time in studio. Yep. Yep. And talk
0: about a credible guy to, you know, it, he's like Mr. Separation of layers, you know, yeah, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the guy to, to tell us about the experience of, you know, uh, uh working with a designer. Yep. Yeah. And from what he said, you know, it's basically, Pretty cut and dry, except that every once in a while. But it, it it seems like it's just because the you know where we are in the product cycle. Like for example, team foundation services. Exactly. You have to touch. Uh, you have to you know right, check right. out the project in Studio because there's no checkout right. in Blend. Right. Right. But the, you know that's an it's an easy you know low yep. hanging fruit for you guys to, to yep. fix. Yep, yep, there's a
1: philosophical question here. I don't know that you can answer it, Brad. But what's the real goal? Is it that devs can stay in Studio and everything they'll need related to Blend will be in Studio? And that designers can stay in Blend, and everything they really need will be in Blend. Or is yeah, it going that, to be that, normal for them to both use both tools?
2: Well, I, I, you know, I think it's great that MSD and subs, uh, subscribers can get both tools. I think it's it's it, developers especially you, 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 they need to have access to whatever they need. So, um, but that being said, my my dream world here is that uh, from an implementation perspective, Visual Studio and Blend share enough components such that the right things are in the right tool. Um, And there's not a notion of, oh, wow, to do timelining, I have to go flip in to to blend or whatnot, that I can do what I need to do in the tool of my choice.
1: So ultimately, you should be able to stay in the tool of your choice.
2: Yeah, I I, I think that's the direction that we're going in. You know, I'm not promising we're getting there in the next release. but Uh, It certainly seems
0: that way.
3: It
1: does mean we're going to be duplicating features between the two tools.
2: Well, I hope we do it by sharing components. Right. So somebody should base. build just a, a just kick-butt XAML editor with all kinds of uh, great refactoring yes. and, and IntelliSense support, and then we should just share it between the two. But that
0: said, I mean, you should only share the stuff that's shareable, right? I mean, if there's got to be different UI for Blend, there's got to be different UI. I yeah. mean, if it does the same thing, it doesn't matter. It's for a different person. Right. Well, you that's know? skinning,
2: right? That separation yeah. of UI that we were just talking yeah, exactly. about. So let's see if we can do that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, what about PopFly? Uh
2: PopFly is great. It, it's another, I think, really compelling Silverlight 1.0 app itself. So, um, one of the cool things we're doing is trying to go after more of the what I would call like emerging developers or or hobbyists, kind of high end hobbyists. Um, and it's PopFly is a tool, a mashup, a, a a tool to build mashups. Um, and uh, what one thing we talked about in the keynote with it is. Um, I actually brought up uh, John Montgomery's Facebook page. Um, he's a, he's a, a friend of mine at Microsoft, and I, and I noticed that he had published on his Facebook page a Potfly app, uh, a- application game. So I clicked on that, and I brought it up, and it's the Space Invaders game that <laughs> brug in pictures of dogs from Flickr. Um, so as you shoot <laughs> them, it brings in a new picture of a dog. I was thinking, okay, that's pretty good, John, but I think I can do better. So you click on it, um, and I said, you know, edit in, in Popfly, and then it opens up John's project, but in my Popfly. Account. Really? Yeah. And then I just went in and changed um, the, a couple of components. I changed it from being uh, dogs to cats. Okay. Um, And then I went in and changed, you know, it was a Space Invaders game. I deleted that module and and went over and found another one. We have like 70 different things to mash up with. So instead of Space Invaders, I chose the Whack-A-Mole game. (laughs) So that was pretty fun. So I changed it to Cats, changed it to Whack-A-Mole, wired it back together, uh, and then I published it, and I could have published it back to my Facebook page, but instead I published it to my Live Spaces page, so, is basically, it's a tool for uh, for ripping off games and doing this viral sharing. Now,
0: is it things. is it supposed to be rip yeah. offable like well, that? Well, ba- basically,
2: what it's about is vi- is sharing this viral nature of kind right. of sharing this content, and there is like a. Sh- a, a chain like a chain of custody kind of thing like where did this originate uh, how did this come but from? there isn't
0: any protection there isn't yeah, you know if you yeah, put it not, out there it's totally that's not really horrible. the tool
2: i mean if you're worried about protection and stuff yeah yeah go use visual studio like All this, right. this is a tool for hobbyists to come in and like share ideas and to tweak back and forth each i gotta designs. tell you that
0: is pretty cool that's a pretty cool idea do you know who came up with PopFly?
2: um you know i don't know so john mont works on the on the pop fly team but i don't know who originated it but yeah it's it's cool stuff
0: brilliant stuff very cool well brad uh, we're just about out of time is there any uh call to action or or shout outs or anything you want to say to the to the listeners out there
2: well, I, do, I would uh, like to thank everybody that came out here to Remix Boston. It was a, it was a great event. Um, I, all of the sessions are streamed. That, that most of them are actually already live on Channel 9 right now. So wow. one call out might be to go, go up to Channel 9 and check those out. Um, um, I'd love to hear people's feedback as they start developing with Silverlight. What are they running into? What issues are they having? Um, I'd especially love to hear from any of your listeners that have Silverlight content live today right. on the web. I love linking to that. Forwarded right. around to the team. It's really motivational, so um, that's great.
0: All right, Brad. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, and Richard and I will talk to you next time on .dotnet rocks. Dotnet rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions Net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. got a band by
3: the FCC. hard.